You're listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts, Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. So this is the first one we've done since I got back from spending 11 days on the road with the Old Salts. We went out to Charlottetown and Halifax, 10 shows in 11 days. An interesting thing happens on tour, and maybe it's especially in this case because there were six dudes in a van for the whole time. Um, you really just kind of get to know, for better or for worse, you get to know people pretty well. You get to know, you know, how they, how groggy they are in the morning. You get to know um, if they drink too much. <laughs> you get to know all these little details about people, and you learn them pretty quick. Today our guest is Bryce Jardine, and he was the first person I ever went on tour with not having known him before. I think it was Luke McKilson who put us in touch. I could be wrong about that, but I got an email out of the blue from Bryce last uh, early winter, late, late fall or something, and he said, hey, I'm putting on a winter tour in February. Do you want to do some of it with me? And he invited me on for about two weeks worth of the tour. He toured for a whole month in the dead of winter around Ontario and Quebec. I joined him for a good chunk of it and didn't meet him until that day of the very first gig. I think our first gig was in Windsor. And then we went all the way up to Ottawa and Montreal and did, we did, Kempville was the last show. It was my first time at Kempville at the great, the branch of venue I've been back to since and will be going back to again. And by that tour, by that show, it was just like, you know, we were so comfortable with each other and we were you know, talking about each other's sets, and it just felt like I'd known the guy for more than two weeks, and good thing we got along, but even even when you don't get along with someone you're on the road with, it's still, you still gain a lot of sympathy for people, because you just know, you know, how to work with them, even people that are very hard to work with, can be pretty interesting. Um, so I'm hearing some alarms in the background. You can hear a lot of that stuff during this interview. It was a pretty noisy day on Bloor Street when we interviewed Bryce in this room. And it's an extremely hot week. So we weren't too careful with keeping the windows closed. But anyway, yeah, Bryce and I are actually hitting the road again in September. So I wanted to let you know we got a date September 3rd, Thursday. That's at Fog Lounge in Windsor. September 4th in Ottawa at Avant Garde. And then on the 5th, Saturday, in, once again in Kempville at the Branch, one of my favorite venues to play in Ontario. So I'm really looking forward to hitting the road again with him, and I hope to see some of you folks there. So you're going to hear a snippet of a tune from Bryce's first record here, and then we're going to get right to the interview, and at the end he's going to play the single off his new album, which is my personal favorite of his tunes. It's called Lean Years, so stick around for that, and let's get to the interview. Not so many songwriters from London, eh? Um, yeah, it's kind of a rock scene there. Yeah. It, like, the object, the name of the game is to just make as much noise as you can. Yeah. We all had, like, Marshall stacks, and then we sold them all when we came to Toronto. <laughs> well, you have no room or yeah, exactly. to use them, right? 
Oh man, I'm so sick of those things though. The big, the yeah. big amplifiers. Yeah. It's cool if you're like ACDC. It's so <laughs> unnecessary for almost every band. That yeah. Uses it. Even even the ones Except that sound like, like ACDC. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, most of those like cabinets are just props. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nowadays in the live shows, it's yeah. so funny. Like, because my brother works in live sound and he's just telling stories about how like it's all fake. They just keep their gear in the back. It's just a big empty yeah. box. Yeah, basically. and there's like a combo amp behind all And then it's stuff. just like... There was, yeah. one, there was one festival where it was all boxes, but they forgot to weight them down, and then like a big gust of wind came and literally blew <laughs> oh the entire stack God. over. Oh, and it's probably scared the fuck out <laughs> of me. He's like, oh, shit. I wonder if Nirvana wow. had those stacks plugged in that they destroyed all the time. I bet they did. I yeah, I bet can't Nirvana see Kurt being did. like, yeah. Yeah. we need some Doing something pieces. for image, yeah. That might have been before people started being like, oh, I could just DI my bass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never realized that. Yeah. yeah. So you started out in the rock scene then in London metal scene? Yeah, sort of kind of bordering on that. It was kind of like, um, I don't know. It was a high school band yeah. that I was in. So Apparently you guys are very good. From we, what I hear. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Well. I can't say I've heard. We tried. I've heard that song you wrote about the band. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, no. The one, yeah, I mean, you were playing it on tour in February. Oh, yeah. Dreamland, I think. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it was... I look back on it really fondly, but it took a while, too, because I was kind of the one that gave it the kibosh after a while. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was it was... We learned how to play. We didn't know how to play. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of learned how to mm-hmm. play together. So that was a good experience. And it was kind of like fraternity, even though I'm not really yeah. a yeah. fraternizer now. <laughs> fraternizer. <laughs> <laughs> I had that. Like on a high school punk band, it was sort of uh, playing, like actually playing gigs when you're in high school is kind of really yeah. nice because yeah. you learn so early on how to be on stage. And that, whoa. But, it's okay. a fireworks display, and it's just awesome. fireworks. Sorry, <laughs> there is either violence or fireworks outside right now for the listeners at home. Outside Could be on either. Bloor Street, probably both. Yeah, Could we be are either. right near Christie Pitts. <laughs> Historically, <laughs> apparently in recent history, it was very dangerous. I don't know. Yo, in this area, it seems fine now. Yeah, I've heard bad things about this area, but recently it's improved. But anyway, uh, so you you were the <laughs> back to back to the <laughs> back to this. <laughs> Away from Toronto street violence. Uh, so you you were the songwriter in that band too then? You sang as well? Yeah, well, it was kind of like it was a five-headed monster. So yeah. it was like we would come up with the arrangements um, together and then I'd kind of like write vocals down and I'd sit and I'd drink like malt liquor on a couch in our, <laughs> in our jam space and like write down lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah. But... Uh, it was kind of yeah. It was everybody kind of coming in with their ideas, and like I think and stuff. I think that's kind of what led to like us going our separate ways. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. Because yeah. too many people. If everybody's a dominant voice, that's you right. Just got mm-hmm. noise, yeah. Democracy doesn't work. That's what you're <laughs> <say>. <laughs> Shit, and I'm in a band right, right now here that on is the heavily, eve of an election. heavily relies on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine's pretty democratic right now too. Yeah. Um, so like. You're sitting down writing those lyrics, was that very utilitarian, or did you start to really? Is that where you started really thinking? I about cared about it, but I knew I wasn't good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of like, it was kind of like I had this mentality where it was like, I, I cared about it to a degree, but I was always just like, ah, but it's just you know, it's just rock music. Yeah, it's just yeah. rock music. <laughs> yeah. So and I almost 
still carry that just so it doesn't get pretentious on right. me. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> it's good to have a little bit of that. To yeah. know when you're like, okay, calm down. I'm calm down, like... sensitive songwriter guy. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be all right. Getting a little flowery now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a little too clever. <laughs> My idea of, like, writing is to try and, like, show a picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's really hard to write and learn to write showing and not telling a story. <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I know. It's interesting. I think that's how I write too most of the time. Like, mm-hmm. cause it's like the alternative to writing a ballad, right? Ballad yeah. is storytelling, but I guess contemporary singer songwriter kind of stuff is typically a moment. It's a single yeah, or image, imagery. Right? Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think as Sam, Sam being there from iron and wine would always say that the only thing he ever writes about is setting. That's all he's ever doing. Really? He's set He's picking, he's putting up a setting. That's all. The There's deep. no story. It's the story comes through the setting, right? And people yeah. fill in the blanks a little bit, yeah, which is cool. Listening yeah. fills in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Have you ever listened to like a songwriter that tells you every single thing that's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> like Randy uh, Newman. They, <laughs> Look at this photograph. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like um, I think country music is a bit like that, or like new country can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like pop country is a bit like. Yeah. yeah. Just no. There's no. In there's no information. Withheld at all. It's no just space like, to dream. This is my basic childish adolescent feeling that I'm having yeah. now as a grown man. Ah, yeah, there's no filling in the blank. There's, there's no room for interpretation. That's the it's telling. Just, mm-hmm. That's yeah. what telling sounds like. <laughs> See, stay away from that. Yeah. So, so how did you, because now you consider yourself a folk musician now, or at least a, a singer-songwriter mm-hmm. in, that, in that way. Yeah. So how, how did you, how'd that transition happen? Um, I've always been doing that stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. But it was a very closeted affair. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept it to myself because I thought that I couldn't do as good as the other guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I do know that. So Confidence thing. It was it was always like that. And but then I recorded one song on our only LP that we came out with and it was just acoustic. And everybody really responded to that song because hey. it was the most simple yeah. and like just straight up like you could identify with the structure of it. Mm-hmm. It was very first chorus, first chorus, mm-hmm. and where we were kind of going verse, chorus, first chorus, and then whoa, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Weird section. Yeah. yeah. Weird section two. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was pretty linear, but I found that. I really liked to work within a confine like that, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not try and not try and like reinvent the wheel right. that way. And I think yeah. that's an important challenge and part of the process of becoming good. Yeah, is like the Simplify. ability to mm-hmm. the ability to not rely on like unexpected sort of things. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I think that that we all kind of struggle with too. It's like we we want to be different. We want to come up with something that's completely unique, but at the same time. Often, what feels the best is those same, you know, three chords and the yeah, same yeah. melody you've heard a bunch of times before. So it's like yeah. finding that line between the two. I find. Mm. Yeah, and finding a way not to over complicate something that should remain simple. Exactly. Recognizing yeah. when something's good enough as it is. Yeah. 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 Okay, so was there a gap there between the rock band and 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 when you decided? Like I find a lot not, of people not in really, high school. Not really. Because I was writing. Working? I was writing those tunes while I was still with the band. But there was a gap in, like, I hunkered down for, like, seven months. To and just I get didn't better. do anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. to just get better. Yeah. Just get better at guitar and stuff like that. 
when mm-hmm. I was in my sister's apartment. She was moving out at the time, so it was like empty. Things were in boxes. <laughs> and that's all I did for like seven months. I quit my job and I moved out of like where I was hey, living. That's the name of the show. <laughs> that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, everybody's got the I quit my job kind of. Yeah. For me, it's I, I quit school for I, mm-hmm. about six months and just wrote songs. Yeah. I didn't actually quit though. I was still enrolled. I just didn't do anything. <laughs> Six months, you're like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, work. just you know what? I can get D's or F's. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, what was this job you quit? Um, I was in a warehouse, and it was really hard to leave this job. I was in a warehouse <laughs> as a receiver, and I counted, um, like Chinese jewelry. Mm. Uh, not Chinese jewelry. It came from China, right? And it was like plastic. Yeah. And gaudy, <laughs> and I my job was to count it, count each piece in the box. Oh my god! Oh my god. And then like go to some boring spreadsheet that made you want to die. <laughs> like, Man, that sounds like a recipe for a musician. It's yeah, just like, yeah, put put somebody in this job, and pretty soon. But I've had like way worse jobs. Like yeah. I just left a job as a dishwasher before that, or just like, now, like Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you Thank just you. quit another job. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm going to oh, learn nice. Cubase and uh, yeah. all these new music programs with yeah. my free time now. <laughs> and you I'm have... going to go on tour. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, screw that place. Mm. It will remain unnamed because it's like... <laughs> I was just going to ask, should place. we name the place? Or no? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to get the label board involved? How hateful are you? <laughs> I'm pretty hateful, but... Uh, <clears throat> I keep with a smile, you know. Mm-hmm. Hateful with mm-hmm. a smile. <laughs> no, I'm like just all the best. Just in case they have good lawyers, you know, you got to keep it keep it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's it's, it's funny because you live that you live that lifestyle like a lot of you know a lot of musicians I know live and that I've I, I don't know maybe really? I've been brave enough to do. Yeah, well, you do like your three month, four month stints in yeah. these jobs, yeah. and then you go and you do music shit exactly yeah. for a while, and then you come back and yeah. you do. And uh, it's just, how sustainable do you think that is? Um, I I keep trying to find a way to make it sustainable, Yeah, you know? Um, and I don't mean to be bleak about it. I have no choice but to do the music thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's what I love to do, you know? Yeah, and it's like, if you don't do it... And there's so many people that don't even know what they love to do. Mm-hmm. So if I walk away from that, I, I don't think I would be able to... Like, could you walk away from it? No, yeah. no, because it like since I was three years old, that's what I've been doing. Three years old, wow! How did well, that start? Well, just like making little guitars out of Kleenex boxes and it was stuff just like, like that. One of those in front of Fred Penner. Like Fred Penner was probably the reason why <laughs> I picked up the guitar. You wow! Know? Yeah, <laughs> it's just that little fixation you have as a kid. Like for me, it was Legos. Yeah. When did when did this guy come out? Uh, the kids are gone. When did it come out? He's holding an album. 2012, maybe? <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs> 2011 yeah, or 12? Copyright 2012 here. Yeah. Um, how long after? Were you still in London at the time? Um, I went to London quite a bit. Like I went back and forth between that apartment and my parents' basement yeah. quite a bit. And uh, just did writing. I've been in your parents' basement. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Actually, it was the different house. Oh, damn. It's the old okay. house. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I didn't even really hang out with my friends at that time. Because you were making the record? Yeah. Yeah, that happened to me when I made mine, too. Mm. And, yeah, if you think that what you're doing is good, then, like, communicating less with the world 
is okay. It's, kind of, it's also kind of a natural effect, I think. Yeah. yeah. When you're doing something that labor-intensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it requires a lot of introspection anyway, so you're not necessarily looking to waste it on social activities. I find, yeah. I find the same way when I'm writing, mm-hmm. it's got to be solitary. Yeah. How long were you gigging before the record got made? Um, oh, man, gigging was so hard. So the whole record for me was, like, really, like, scary. Everything was scary about it because I had never kind of, like, stepped out on my own. <clears throat> I was changing the style of music and stuff like that. And and I was working with these people that were really, really good at what they did. <laughs> like, I was working with Derek Downham. And I was oh, working yeah. with John Dinsmore, and both of them had done things that had done things in the past, in my eyes at that time, and still. So I was intimidated. I was intimidated yeah. by the people I was working with because I was kind of like fans. I was kind of a fan. Right. And, uh, and yeah, just like doing vocal takes and like all of that stuff was so nerve-wracking. And then to get out and play live after that, I would go to, I went to like, open mics and stuff like that and my hands would just be shaking hmm. i had to drink like a bottle of wine mm-hmm. just to get on stage yeah hmm. but uh i don't drink anymore and i haven't for two years so it's like i don't i don't feel that anymore at all yeah. no. do you think at all like so was that a result of not having a band behind you or was that just something yeah, that absolutely yeah because with the band i totally feel different yeah and even when i play acoustically i feel different mm-hmm. yeah the only thing i worry about really right now is like are people coming through the door yeah that's yeah. it <laughs> they paying mm-hmm. five bucks <laughs> yeah so steve earl who else is up there on your mount rushmore <clears throat> yeah i think of it like a like a round table like a night's oh, table i like that <laughs> it's less americanized yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> It's pretty British, isn't it? Yeah, like it. <laughs> um, I would say Leonard Cohen is up there for me. Um, I would say Towns Van Sant is up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, I always put, like, the old guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the people from a long time ago, I put them up there. Yeah. It's it's kind of like... It's kind of like they've... Uh, They've earned their keep somehow or something like that. Like, Johnny Cash really got dignified as he got older. And his yeah. his mm-hmm. side of things wasn't necessarily songwriting, but just the gravity of the way he could deliver a song towards it, the yeah. end of his life. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a lot true. of years where nobody was paying attention to him. Yeah. Right? Like, even In though he's this legend. Stuff yeah, like, he had a, a bad 80s. Everybody had a bad yeah. 80s. Yeah, who didn't have a bad 80s? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess except for bands from the 80s, but most of them haven't really lasted. Yeah, but who who are like some young people that are in? I was it just right gonna ask, yeah, who are your contemporary yeah, roundtable? I I love. I think the songwriting of uh, Wim Butler is underrated. I think Suburbs is an incredible mm-hmm. album for songwriting. Um, I really love Sharon Von Etten. I love a lot of female songwriters right mm-hmm. now. Uh, Johnny Mitchell, that's, that's not a person. Well, that's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to <laughs> the other generation. Yeah. <laughs> Can't help it. I know. But um, who else? Who else would I? 
I always hate this because I always uh, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to you think. know how like every web page every social media site is like list your influences. I sit there yeah, for like thirty I know. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get two or three of them, and you're like, ah, oh, I guess. And I'm like, that's I enough. Yeah. yeah. I think. And then I look back two months later, and I'm like, no, what? That's not what Switch it is. These. Yeah. I think Justin Vernon is yeah. a great songwriter because he's just pure emotive. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's offering folk music a, a way to go. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his last album, not so much anymore since I've kind of cannibalized it. Like, <laughs> I've gone through it front to back, but like, it seemed like whoa, okay, here's a new direction. Mm-hmm. Some yeah, people have said pretty... that about Kurt Vile too, in terms of uh, folk music and how it can kind of where it can go and sort of blend with that sort of indie mm-hmm. rock type of sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Well, like to modernize it, like I don't know. There's so many throwback acts yeah. Yeah. out there in the folk music thing. Most of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it Most people are trying to do a sound that's already that somebody else did. Yeah. And do it. The problem with okay, but what about the top forty folk? Like Top Forty folk? Sons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean like yeah, Mumford Lumineers and stuff like that? Yeah, I've got nothing against that at all, but uh it's it better than some of it. Sometimes I, just, I think the songwriting isn't is just the central through line of the music is ultimately pop music. Yeah. That's yeah. dressed up in folk. Yeah, Window texturally dressing? it's folk, and yeah. otherwise it's still top 40. All right, so bring, to bring it back around, so <laughs> you decide to make a record. <laughs> the yeah. kids are gone. Um, I know it sounds like a dumb question, but why did you decide to make a record? <laughs> um, probably because I felt like a failure <laughs> in my endeavors a little bit. Mm. Like, I felt like... I've I've always felt like I'm I'm frustrated, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get to the next whatever the next thing is it's just the constant frustration of creating and like the ebb and flow of it the up and down of it but um i yeah i just felt like i was in a rough time so i needed to get it out Mm -hmm. and i had a lot of songs in my head that were driving me crazy at at my warehouse job (laughs) and i was writing lyrics like and my boss would come in to my office. Like <laughs> I didn't like, used to have an office and then we renovated to a new building or we went to a new building and uh, they gave me an office and then I just stopped working. Yeah. Cause we had privacy, <laughs> right? The walls gave you security to fuck off basically. Yeah. So I, I wrote lyrics and then I was just like, you know what? I'm it, it was too like, it's too much tug and pull, like going, like working a full time job and like, mm if you've got something that you think is in your head that you need time to work on or else it's not mm-hmm. going to happen. <clears throat> and full time leaves little time for that. Yeah. Like when you yeah. work 40 plus hours a week, it's just like, when do you, you don't have the energy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I like, I've been working full time recently and it's just like, yeah, you don't have any time or the willpower and they want you yeah. to do doubles and it's like, ah, yeah. Well, that's draining, too. I mean, even if you have, theoretically, another eight waking hours in there somewhere, you don't want you don't to be doing anything. To... Yeah. Yeah. Or you have life shit to do, like grocery right, shopping. like real stuff. <laughs> None of this musician. Yeah, exactly. Fantasy world. <laughs> yeah, <stuff>. survival, <laughs> survival shit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your first record, how, how'd you end up working with Derek Donham and, I just and then Serena Ryder Google on Google searched Toronto music producer and you found Derek on there and I found 
multi-instrumentalist, Derek Downham. I needed a multi-instrumentalist because I had no band. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I had an acoustic guitar. So he's not just a producer. <laughs> yeah. So it fell into your lap, more or less. Yeah. In that way. Um, but he really responded to the tracks because I, I reached out to a lot of people. Yeah. Or like, not a lot, maybe like eight people. It's mm-hmm. a pretty good chunk. Yeah. And a lot of people gave me quotes that were really high mm-hmm. and out of my range and stuff like that. You're always working on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but working with Derek was the right thing to do for me at the time, and I still think that. Um, just because he, he opened the door to, like, Toronto music scene for me. Mm-hmm. How long were you in Toronto at the time? Um, not long, like two years. Yeah. Okay. So that's a very London-informed album then. Yeah. yeah. I felt really... Um, Really, like I was living in Toronto, but on the outside of the scene. Oh yeah. Until I started working in the, in my vein of music that was natural to me. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like the rock scene, I just felt like the rock scene was dead. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere we went, it was just like people just like coked up and looking at the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much of that. Yeah. <laughs> but and there was there was happiness and light in the. Uh, in the folk scene, and uh, that was... <laughs> Which I is ironic. <laughs> is there still happiness and light in the folk scene in Toronto? In Toronto? By, from where you're standing. Um, well, I mean, everything changes. So, like, I, I was in a very folky place, but now a new record's got a lot of modern kind of synth sounds on it and stuff like that. So, I don't know what scene I'm in, but I know the music that I want to make. Mm-hmm. You know, that's more important anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know quite where I fit because we've got distorted guitars, but it's also yeah. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also pretty. <laughs> and uh, it, it, when's the new record coming out? Uh, August twenty eighth. Oh, August twenty eighth. Wow. Has there already been a release show in in London or no? Uh, no. No. Okay, so that's maybe it's the one at the end of the month. I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, I couldn't get a date together for. For the London show right now, we'll have to make it up because they want to see my band down there. Mm-hmm. But um, we are doing shows in Hamilton. No, no, not Hamilton. <laughs> Windsor. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Campville. Campville. Ottawa. I'm doing a show in Kingston and Toronto. Yeah. At the Silver Dollar. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's good. With the good band. Um, where's, where are you playing Kingston? Um, the Mansion. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, the transition then between the first and second album, what do you th- do? You think it was informed a lot by just your experiences in the scene here, or was there something that you still felt you had to work out that maybe wasn't worked out on the first? Well, it's at the time I I was having a problem like with partying and stuff like that, and I stopped all that for seven months, mm-hmm. and um, I had a clarity that I didn't normally have Mm. and for seven months I was just stone cold sober so a lot of that was about like looking back and kind of just feeling kind of like what was the rush for us to grow up Uh what was the Mm. rush for us to lose our innocence so fast Uh you know and and what was it that was so adult about it because it was reckless you know mm. what i mean <laughs> so yeah there was a lot of a lot of that informed it 
Mm-hmm. And then to get back on stage again, I had to drink the bottle of wine. Yeah. Uh, After the seven months? Yeah. And I didn't have to, but I went back to it. You when, found you, that, when you started that performing stop, again? Yeah. You found that that sort of made it dealable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort of nervousness. And so that led to a lot of a lot of rough period after yeah, the true. album, um, but but then that stopped, <laughs> yeah. and then it was back to work. <laughs> and then back to work. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's been what, it's like a three year gap between the records. So yeah, that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's plenty of time to write another record, I think, for most of us. Yeah, maybe not most Travis. of us, not for me. No. <laughs> I, I do a, a lot of editing though. I am yeah. very yeah. slow. I mean, I am too. Slow. Yeah. Uh, how many songs do you? Like, what's your success rate? Do you write a lot more songs than you ever um, finish, or or like? Think I usually good doggedly work on songs until maybe they started one way, but they sound completely different yeah. at the end. <laughs> so like, you keep massaging until it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's like usually a song will start off with a feeling or a line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then to you, you're working on something, and you get like a little bit, and then you backtrack, you're pulling on that string. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, but it's all. In the same vein, but yeah, I've thrown away songs before that just weren't melodically like good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know success rate. I would say five to one. Five success. Uh, five failures, one success. Okay, yeah, that's okay. consistent. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow, you're really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Okay>. five <laughs> success. <laughs> you only fit. Say pretty much piss excellence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fine. <laughs> That's it. I'm finding now, and I know Derek and I have talked about it, that that success rate is getting higher for us, that, that we recognize a, a shitty song a lot earlier in the process, and we just mm-hmm. get rid of it before it really becomes anything, and yeah. then we go work on the thing we know is going to work out. Yeah. you find that that's, that's similar for you? That a lot of those throwaways aren't even com- close to being completed? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that um, my standards, like, the bar is always set by the last song, right? And yeah. I always want to raise Do a little the bar. better, yeah. So it's like, and sometimes it's really frustrating when you don't feel like you don't feel like you're going somewhere new. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah. I always find there's no such thing as like wasted work. Right. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You're like, always learning something. Even the frustrating days where you're like, that was not fun. <laughs> and I feel like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next day is like, it's informed by that. It's like you, you've, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It There's is. no waste You've of learned, time. You know how to deal with it in a different way, or yeah. how to avoid doing well, the same hopefully. mistakes. I'm sure, that's killed a lot of songwriters too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but you only have the patience if you want to do it. I think. Yeah. If you really want to do it. Hmm. So. This has always been really the plan, for you. Yeah. Sounds like Absolutely. ever since you started. Yeah. And so I'm really going through like. You know, I've got a girlfriend now that I live with, mm-hmm. and uh, and a happy little life up there <laughs> in my, our box in the sky. So, I you start thinking about things like maybe having something secure. Yeah, some mm-hmm. stability. <laughs> yeah, but it's not it's not gonna happen like that for me. I'm gonna get part time job, and I'm gonna yeah. tour and. But it's all about building that infrastructure, right? Exactly. Like you work, you have publicists. You, I know you used to work with a booking agent. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do anymore, but... Uh. No, I don't. But I work with a publicist, and we've got a campaign coming out on the, on the radio, right. and CBC's been really nice to us with this new 
EP. They've been playing us from Newfoundland to Saskatchewan. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. BC, get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Yeah, I was going to say, what about Alberta? And I think, I think it's, out there first. the wave just like came back at yeah. the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <rock> that. <laughs> but that always is so nice Like when, when you're on the radio. That's a tangible thing. Because in this music industry now, there's a lot less tangible things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, like, to look, you have to really be conscious of your small victories and kind of take them in. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of writing that you do that feels like it's out to space, yeah. you know? And whether or not it reflects back off those satellites in the sky, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you don't really know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it's sometimes hard to see the small victories if your mind is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about touring? Um, when, when, when did you start doing that? When did you start hitting the road? After the kids are gone. Yeah. I went on a tour... Um, just doing southwestern Ontario, and then I've been out east. Uh, that was all after the kids are gone. So, mm-hmm. and I think I was writing some songs on the road as well, but not with a guitar. No, just like in your head. Or? Yeah, yeah. Because when I'm driving, for some reason, I can write in my head. Yeah, yeah. it's the only time. But only when I can you write that in too. My yeah. Head. yeah, yeah, yeah. Melodies. I find melodies come. Um, pretty easily that's like the best time that they come and then unfortunately for me anyway it's like how the hell do i record this (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly you gotta get your phone you're fumbling with it while you're driving like (laughs) i'm a very dangerous man when i'm writing because like around my house because i'm the clumsiest person in the world i'm i'm so spacey (laughs) i'll put the coffee urn in the fridge Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little hand soap on the teeth because you're distracted. Yeah, by it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do dumb shit all the time. <laughs> like if I didn't have um, what's it called? Uh, CAA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my car would be like in the ditch near Ottawa. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> yeah. you had to get it pulled out. Well, a few times on the road, I a had few to. Times. Wow, I got towed one time. I, Oh, man, I got a story for you, actually. Let's hear it. Is, right. is it a four-podcast story? Uh, it's a good podcast story. Oh, let's yeah. hear it. All right. Um, <laughs> remember that gig that we played in Ottawa on the campus? Yeah. They got back to me afterwards. Remember how that wasn't a good gig? Yeah, that was a terrible gig. <laughs> <laughs> was this at you, Ottawa? Or Carlton? Uh, it shall not be named. <laughs> okay. All right. They Fair got enough. back to me. One of the two. And they said that I owed them $675 um, because that was the balance of an ordinary sales um, projection. Oh, my God. Yeah. And <laughs> I was, tried to pull that old trick. Yeah. And I, like, I read that and, like, like my stomach fell out. Mm-hmm. And I looked, I was, because I thought that I made a mistake, you know? So I scrolled back up to, to the, the history. And everything. Yeah, and it was like, um, and just so you know, uh, we we have a sales uh, something, like we have a sales objective for the night, mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that our promoters are doing their job. And so I didn't think that that had anything to do with me yeah you thought it was like the in-house promoter or whatever yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) 
that it'd be them that would have to to do it. I ripped into that guy so hard. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? <laughs> but I gotta live vicariously because I, I, I've, I've dealt with situations like that. And yeah, just, yeah. It's just so. It's such a scam artist move, kind of. Yeah. You know? Well, I said what you're doing to me is akin to criminal. Like I came out with the best intentions, and when we got to your venue, the sound equipment wasn't plugged in. There was people sitting on the stage. There was no way we could charge for the door because everybody yeah. was already in the venue. Your security guy was asleep. Like you <laughs> know, the piano was drinking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there you go. But like, it's like. And just like to get our hands on the soundboard was that was like such a yeah. hassle to. Just so we Jesus. could set it up for ourselves. And, and then he got back to me, Bryce. I don't know why you have to use a strong language, <laughs> and like just like because you're trying. To, you're asking for six hundred and seventy-five dollars. Yeah. That's why I have to use. And this still trying language. to get money off of me is like you can't bleed a stone here, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's such bullshit too because the musicians are literally at the bottom of that rung to begin with. They're right. the ones exactly. who often have the least amount of money, and you're going to make and that. And the ones who are earning the least any given night. And the too. one like if you're coming into Ottawa and you're not from Ottawa, I mean, there is a the, the responsibility like to you me got, but is you on got the us venue. On CBC and everything too. Like you, oh, I, okay, the CBC it was promoted thing, on the yeah, too. and I was embarrassed by that just because the CBC listened to our music and and said that's going to be a good show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm tagged with the booking um and it's like everything was just bullshit yeah (laughs) so like it was the worst show on the tour by far and then they asked for 675 dollars afterwards and then the next like and i was really bummed out about that night and everything and that was kind of the end of the tour because i wasn't originally supposed to be on the countryville gig yeah i was gonna go back to montreal remember so then uh and you're like, why don't I do this Kentville? And I was like, yeah, fuck Montreal, I'll do Kentville. Um, <laughs> and so I was bummed out after that Ottawa gig. And then we went and I just had a great time at the branch. Yeah. It was just like, oh, you know, it just brought my spirits way back up yeah. and ended the tour on a high note for me. Yeah, I feel like I've been harping on about the negatives, but there are so many positives. Yeah, we, too. Had, we had a few really like, solid shows. Yeah, and like Kentville, Kentville is an example. And I've also been to other places like the, uh, the Picton Grill where... Somebody, it, somebody has musicians out because they genuinely love music. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. that place. I've, I haven't played there yet, but genuinely? lots of good things. <laughs> yeah, <well>. <laughs> <laughs> we're musicians, not writers. <laughs> but yeah, but I thought we were writers, not musicians. I, I get confused. Uh, it's no matter how I phrase it, it's, it's I'm full of shit anyway. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not a singer. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is the singer of the group. No, oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Um, so now, so touring is, uh, has it gotten to, has it, has it, have you seen a market improvement every time you go out? Um, I just see places that, I just narrowed down the places that I like to play that and weed out, weed out the places that I don't mm. want to play. And that's a market improvement. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, they will drain you of your money and your time. Oh yeah. Those wasteful places. Mm-hmm. And, and be unfriendly to you in the process. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Toronto now. Um, yeah. Do you think this is the place for you? I don't know. A place to build, you, build your career from? How do you find living in Toronto? Uh, well, it hasn't been a year yet, so I still kind of feel like I'm not ready to say, mm-hmm. you know? I, I like it, though. Like, I came, and it feels good to be here. I knew I was done with Montreal. The one thing about me and being impatient in Toronto is, like, I want to get here and there, 
and I love driving. <laughs> and London was such a driving such town. Such a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, also such a boring town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say it too in front of, like, an actual London person. <laughs> my brother spent five years there when he was at Fanshawe. And most of the time I mounted tour, I skipped London. Yeah. yeah. I have this really romantic notion yeah, of, you, like, only playing small towns. But there's not a lot of venues to contact. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I think there's a lot that are hidden, relatively unknown. Yeah, well, like, just on, in terms of, like, finding them on the internet through our usual sources. Because yeah, they don't have any online yeah, presence exactly, at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the Herald, the the Herald Legion. But that's why they're so cool, <laughs> you know? I know, like, that's what, and they have a budget for music and everything. They yeah. love and appreciate musicians. Mm-hmm. Like, through, going through some of the small towns, like, they still... I don't know. They just, they love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like St. Catharines was like that. And St. Catharines has taken a real hit like mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. Economically. And it's nice to go through those places and see people having a great time and like dancing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that's the, the whole point of Windsor existing as a music scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was it was really cold in Windsor too. <laughs> I felt really frozen cold? that yeah. whole winter. Like it was just constantly in the car. Like my feet are frozen. Mm-hmm. But it was you, on the road it, so much. It, it felt so tour. good to like do like. And you did a full month that. of it. Like I was on board for like what seven shows or something. And yeah, you were doing it the whole month long. <laughs> oh man, Picton in like a snowstorm where I was like, I think I, I think this is the road. I actually did go to Picton <laughs> that that winter. So, yeah. So I knew like shortly after the tour, so I knew kind of knew. It was just covered and, like the, the lake just yeah. pours all the snow on that little peninsula there. Yeah, it was so insane. What motivated a winter tour? Um, just the fact I wanted to get out there and do, I just wanted to get out there and do it. I've always yeah. wanted to get out there and do it. I suppose it would be easier to get gigs in the winter time, right? Because it's just not as much. Actually, yeah. There's yeah. a lot. Well, there's okay. There's a lot of people on vacation that you contact when you're booking right now, and then there's also a lot of like waiting list time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Some some venue, and it's hard because all the venues are on different timelines. I know that's and the they all part. work with their own kind of parameters too. Yeah. So it's like, but you find the good ones, and then you maintain you develop communication. With them. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it's all about: is developing relationships with the good ones. Yeah, and that's the thing about touring. Um, the first time you go, your job is not to bring people out. Your job is to impress the staff. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And then they, the they bring people out. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we did at the branch. Yeah, you know? they were like, "Yeah, you guys can come back anytime you want." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what Toronto does because you're a little fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from London, true. Ontario. It's like, London was just about getting really drunk with your friends. Yeah, that's London. And the same crowd. And mm. then you come to Toronto and people are striving for something. Yeah. <laughs> they have to be. You know, yeah. It's the only way to survive. Yeah. You gotta pay rent in And you city. feel that in the <laughs> city. Yeah, there's an energy. Yeah. And a yeah. drive, I guess, is the way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you find that it's easy if you're in a smaller town like London or Windsor or something like that that you can get into more of a rut because you think you you're successful within that city. You can get into a rut or you city. can create good art or, you, yeah. you know, it, it's, you're up to your own devices. But yeah. a lot of times the easy alternative mm. is just the same crowd from high school. Yeah. Do you find it mm. hard to live in Toronto just to the cost of living? Yeah, it, not as hard as I thought it would. Yeah. 
You know, there's it's, a lot of it's mental. And, yeah, yeah. And when I came from Montreal, I was really like, oh my god, I'm going from three hundred bucks a month to seven hundred bucks a month, um, more than double. But then I just started like looking at apartments and stuff, and I just the moment I got it into my head, that's just what it costs. Yeah, it stopped being a problem for me. I was just like, well, seven hundred—that's just normal. What? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. So then what happens is like it's almost like you said, you're here. You have to work harder mm-hmm. just to be. Yeah. And maybe that's not a bad thing. No, mm-hmm. it's true. It's true. And you, I don't know. You always want to fast forward through the struggling times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I have a lot of stuff on the go. Like, yeah. it's good band, podcasts. So, you know, mm-hmm. I like my job. Yeah, it's exactly. So you, you've mentioned, right you've been mentioning kind of on and off about how sort of you seem to be informed a lot by struggle at least with your songwriting that, that yeah, sort of, yeah. it sort of comes out of some sort of like internal or maybe external struggle that you're having yeah uh, do you find that music then is therapeutic for you yeah it's a catharsis like I yeah. never really wrote anything down except for lyrics yeah you know I never had I never like felt compelled to like write how I was feeling or whatever but through music yeah and yeah and I always just it it was always something where I was like, oh, I can do that. Like I I mm-hmm. I I can be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So that's but, where the is that where the necessity comes into then? Like you feel like if you didn't have it, that maybe those struggles would come back in a bigger way or. Well, I think I would have a pretty major identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have music, yeah. like, because uh, honestly, so much of my identity kind of like is wrapped up in it. Like it's not, I'm not able to separate myself from it and that's why I care so much about like what I say in my songs and like mm. what I'm working on. Well and Derek tells me that you really you really study the craft. Like you really make a conscious effort to get better. Like that that's a big part of it. Yeah. 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 Um with my dad, like I always find parallels in he he brought it to light actually he found the parallels but now now I look to it but like he's a research mathematician and he he works all the time mm-hmm. and so I've kind of had and my mom's a creative writer so and she works all the time I'm, I'm writing so I've always had like that ideas are the biggest thing in our house mm-hmm. you know and like going after them is like just business as usual that's the that's the pure pursuit yeah yeah so it's not um and and i didn't know that that was a strange thing until (laughs) until later until you heard other people yeah breed of people yeah (laughs) yeah let's see my household with my my father it's the opposite it's like well how much money can you make from this yeah you know like that that's always been the motivating factor for him Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean we still have those talks but uh they have always encouraged my pursuits. That's good. And That's nice. Well, they worry about you probably, you know. Like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you got to have those talks. Sometimes you just got to crunch numbers. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, they, they're still 100% behind what I do. That's good. And they, they know that I couldn't walk away from it either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to play us a tune? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. We got all these guitars lying around. All right, that's yeah, usually how we do it. Your poison, sweet. Okay. 
Like a farmer on his knees in a field of dust Or a storekeeper open late, the boom's gone I am playing to the sound man for life Between the bars And even through these lean years We wish on the same star Some way, some way, somehow Keep this fire from burning out In some way On the long way around You give me hope when I'm in doubt I won't let you down Like a boxer swinging wild Out on his feet in the pouring rain, stumbling in the street I can feel you in my corner Though I'm miles from where you are And even through these lean years We wish on the same star Some way, some way, somehow We'll keep this fire from burning out Some way, on the long way around You give me hope when I'm in doubt I won't let you down and with my word well it's all I have to keep you remind me of the one thing they can't ever take away from me the ace in my pocket true north of my heart Lean years We wish on the same star Some way Some way Somehow We'll keep this fire From burning out Some way On the long way around You give me hope when I'm in doubt Some way, some way, somehow We'll keep this fire from burning out Some way, on the long way around You give me hope when I'm in doubt won't let you I won't let you down
That was our episode with London, Ontario's Bryce Jardine. We hope you liked it. Bryce, as you heard in the podcast, is about to release a new EP with his band The Parlor Birds called Lean Years. The official release is on August 28th, available at all the usual places. And he's also touring in support of that EP, so go check out his website, BryceJardine.com. That's B-R-Y-C-E-J-A-R-D-I-N-E.com. For more information, so far he has confirmed dates in Windsor, Kempville, Ontario, Toronto, and Kingston. Derek will be supporting on some of those, so be sure to check that out if you're in those areas. We're sorry for our prolonged absence. It was due in part to the Old Salts tour and also to my being away for a large portion of the last month. I went up to Workworth, Ontario to visit my grandparents and to get reacquainted with the places where I grew up. That area, for those who aren't familiar, is one of the most visually beautiful places in Canada, just east of Peterborough along the Trent River. And I love it for, I love it there for those reasons, but it, it also carries with it a lot of baggage for me and a lot of not-so-great times. So visiting there uh, and the surrounding areas got the creative juices flowing for me, and I've decided to write an album about growing up there and now returning as an adult uh, with all the emotional stuff that goes along with that. So hey, it appears as though my writing slump is over, and I can't wait to share some new material with everyone soon. It's been nearly six years, I think, since my last release. So it's, it's time. It's time for sure. Anyway, that's enough prattling on. If you want to know more about us and what we do, or to listen to old episodes of the podcast, head on over to iqmjpod.com or find us on iTunes, where you can rate and or review us. You can find us on Twitter at iqmjpod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash iqmjpod. You can also listen on SoundCloud by heading over to soundcloud.com slash iquitmyjob with dashes between all those words. Finally, we have a bit of a request, dear listeners. If you haven't noticed, our podcast is decidedly white and decidedly male. We are aware of this and would like to change it. We have some great women lined up to come on the show. Scheduling has been a challenge in the summer. But Derek and I are both largely involved with the Canadian folk scene, which is almost entirely white, if you haven't noticed. In other words, we may need some help. If you know of any great non-white singer-songwriters of any genre who would be good fits on the podcast, please let us know by emailing us at iqmjpod at gmail.com. We're doing our best on our own, and we're making some headway, but we're always looking for suggestions to make our podcast better, and getting away from white men is one way to do that. At least diversifying from white men, anyway. In two weeks, we'll be talking to Sutton, Ontario native David Newberry, who now lives in Toronto and spent his formative musical years in Vancouver. You can check him out at davidnewberrymusic.com. That's N-E-W-B-E-R-R-Y. He's really great. He was a sweet guy, a lot of fun to talk to. And so we'll be back in two weeks with that. See you then. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.